Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, if you're listening today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And my prayer is that the message you are about to hear will help you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook. Now, get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. All right, let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12 is where we are this morning. Genesis 12, uh, verses 10 through 20. That'll be the, the text we study together this morning. Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses 10 through 20. If you're new to the Bible, uh, Genesis is the very first book in the Bible. Just open up your Bible. You'll find yourself there. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay because in the chair before you down the book rack, you'll find a copy of the Bible. Pick that Bible up and turn to Genesis with us. If you don't have a Bible, take that Bible home with you. Read it. Learn about the God who loves you and desires a relationship with you. If you're new to our church, we've been in this study of Genesis uh, for a few months now. What we like to do at Northwood, we like to take books, the Bible, and just walk through them and and see what God has to say to us uh, from his word. And so we've been in this incredible journey through this book, and we've got a just really interesting story we're looking at this morning, maybe one you haven't read in quite a while, Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 through 20. It's hard to believe, isn't it? It's hard to believe that we are in June of 2021. Praise God, right? Because nobody wants to be back in June 2020. That was terrible. So thankfully, we're in June 2021. And I I don't know if you remember much about June 2020, but man, think about it. A lot has changed over the course of the past year. And here we are in June 2021, and aren't you thankful that it finally seems like life is getting back to normal. I know in some areas of our country, it's not normal yet and all that, but I'm thankful here in South Carolina, it's pretty, pretty normal. And I know you're thankful for that well and as well, but, but you think back to June, 2020, we didn't really know what was going on and all those kinds of things. And, 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 and what I do remember in June, 2020 was that we were just finishing up school, but school was different. You remember that? I mean, our, our kids were sent home and we, were ha- we had to, 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 to homeschool our kids. And, and if you are a homeschool parent, you're wonderful. Like you, 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 you are getting extra crown, uh, stones in your crown in heaven, all those kinds of things, because man, it, it was interesting. And so, so you remember our story, I think I've told you this before, while COVID was taking place in those beginning months, we were trying to move from one house to another here in the area. And so, so for, for a couple months after they let school out, or not out, but changed school, uh, I was bringing the boys here. We were coming up to the church and, and uh, we'd get started early in the morning. I'd, I'd get them started on their work. I'd try to do my work. And our favorite time of the day was lunchtime because I don't know if you remember this or not, but we had a, a school bus that parked in our parking parking lot, giving out lunches to the kids. And that was awesome. It was better than DoorDash. All we had to do was just walk outside and there was this, this free lunch and the boys loved it. And they would give you enough food for like a week every time. I mean, it was, it was, it was really, really good. And so after we had lunch, um, we would go to the gym and y'all paid me to work last year. And I I did some of that, but I was doing a lot of, anyway, it's another story for another day. So, so, so we would go to the gym, we'd play basketball. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed, honestly, having my kids with me at the office and helping them work through school. And, 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 and to be honest with you, if, if in 2020, they were to give out a teacher of the year award, I got it. 
right? I mean, I, I felt pretty good about, about um, what I accomplished and how I'd got my boys through the end of the school year. And uh, well, at any rate, when we got to June and they were finishing up all their assignments and we had to get them all back to the school, we had to take their work packets back to the school so the teachers could give them a final grade, all those kinds of things. And, and, and so, so Stacy went through all their work to see what they had done and kind of check up on make sure I was a good teacher or not. And, and, and so Hudson, about half of his work was not done. My son, Hudson, almost failed kindergarten because of me. <laughs> so anyway, we got all that figured out. But all that to say, man, we have come a long way, have we not? And I don't know if you remember this or not, but, but you probably don't, and that's okay. In 2019, in 2019, I preached a series of messages from the book of James. Anybody remember that? And in James chapter one, in James chapter one, James opens up his letter by saying this, count it all joy when you go through various trials. <laughs> we had no idea what was around the corner, did we? So let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. How much joy was in your heart in 2020? Right? I mean, because here's the reality that you think about 2020 and, and here we are on the backside of, of the pandemic, we hope and, uh, and believe, but you think about it, it, it was a unique time because every one of us over the course of our lives, we go through lots of trials and struggles. We're gonna talk about that in a moment. But, 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 but 2020 was unique because we all went through the same trial together and it brought out the best and the worst in us. It, it was wild and crazy. But I do bring that up because here we are in Genesis chapter 12 and we're on familiar ground. This story might not be familiar to you, but, but the, the subject matter is. And, and what I love about Abraham's story is, is we get to see, as we journey through his story together, we get to see just the, 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 the path that God has him on and how God grows Abraham and his faith. And, and what you read about in Abraham's story, it, now you, you might not know this, but his story, it's a lot like your story. It's full of ups and downs. It's full of trials and struggles and tests of faith. His story is, is a lot like your story because I know you know this because you've lived life long enough to know this, that, that your life, it is a series of challenges, a series of trials and a series of struggles. This is what it was for Abraham. I mean, we, we get to, to Genesis chapter 12 and, and it, it seems so wonderful. Because if you've been with us over the last couple months, you know that what we've been doing as we've been walking through the book of Genesis is we've been tracing this godly lineage. Because in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, do you remember this? God makes a promise that through the lineage of the woman, there's going to one day come a child, a savior that will crush Satan and deliver us. And we get to Genesis chapter 12 and, and we begin to see God's plan really unfolding. Because God makes this promise to Abraham. Oh, Abraham, I know you don't have any kids. I know your wife is, is barren. I, I know you're an old man, but I'm gonna make a great nation out of you. You're gonna have descendants and, and you're gonna be a, a great nation and all the nations of the earth are, are going to be blessed through you. This promise that, that God is going to bring about his Messiah through the lineage of Abraham. And so you, you read the first nine verses of Genesis 12 and it's so hopeful. Abraham leaves everything behind and he walks by faith and goes into the land of promise, this land where God is going to establish the nation of Israel, where God is going to make this great nation. But Abraham's life is like your life because you've had those moments, haven't you? Where, where, where you're on the mountaintop of faith, Things couldn't be getting any better. 
It's triumph and victory. And triumph and victory is oftentimes followed by trials and testing and struggle. Abraham's life is a lot like your life because you've been there. You've experienced great moments of faith and you've experienced great seasons of trial, whether it's COVID-19 or whatever the case may be. And so this morning, I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord. And I don't know what trials and struggles you're going through right now. But this morning, I believe this passage is gonna be helpful for us because this passage is going to remind us of about three truths uh, that we need to hold on to in our trials that I think are gonna help us to keep our eyes on God as we go through the trials and struggles of life. We're on familiar ground. Again, the subject matter is familiar because we here at Northwood over the years, we've talked about trials a lot because the scriptures often encourages us to walk by faith in our trials. And we're gonna see that in this passage this morning. So take your Bibles, look at Genesis chapter 12 with me. Genesis 12. 10 through 20, when you have that, go ahead and rise to your feet as we honor the reading of God's word. I wanna show you this morning from this passage, three truths that will help you as you walk through the difficult seasons of life. There was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to stay there for a while because the famine in the land was severe. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, look, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. They will kill me, but let you live. Please say you're my sister, so it will go well for me because of you. And my life will be spared on your account. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh. So the woman was taken up to Pharaoh's household. He treated Abram well because of her. And Abram acquired flocks and herds, male and female donkeys, male and female slaves and camels. But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his household with severe plagues because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh sent for Abram and said, what have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her as my wife? Now, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave his men orders about him and they sent him away with his wife and all he had. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for the opportunity to be in your word together. Now, as we study your word, we trust your voice is speaking to us. You're gonna encourage us. You're gonna instruct us. You're going to help us this morning. Regardless of what our circumstances might be, you're gonna help us to walk by faith, to trust you even in uncertain days. So help us listen carefully with a heart that's ready to obey you and serve you and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. Now, it's an interesting story because again, if you remember back to last week, it, it really is one of those mountaintop experiences. Abraham has this calling on God to follow God and God's gonna make him into this great nation. And so Abraham leaves and he makes his way to the land of Canaan. And if you remember last week and what we talked about in those first nine verses as Abraham entered into the promised land, the land that would belong to his descendants, he builds altars to God. Now, just a connection. If you remember a few weeks ago, we looked at the story of the Tower of Babel. And you remember in the Tower of Babel that these people, they came together unified against God and they built a tower to make a name for themselves. Now in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham isn't building a tower. He's building altars for the name of God. You see the contrast. Oh, it's good. Life couldn't be going any better. Abraham has followed the call of God. He's, he's faithfully walking in the land where, where, where God would, would give his descendants. It's, it's as good. But then all of a sudden, the story changes just a bit. He's not there too long until this famine comes on the land. 
Now, if, if you've been to the Middle East, you, you, you see how there could be a famine in the Middle East. It's a, it's a lot of dirt, right? And so, so th- that's kind of expected, I guess. But, but, but the Bible says that there was a severe famine, a severe famine in the land. And so think about it. Abraham's got people. We, we read last week in the text that, that when he came out of the land of Ur, the Chaldeans, and came out of Haran, that, that he brought people with him. He brought flocks with him. He brought his wife with him. Family members, lot. And now there's a severe famine. All of a sudden there's a crisis. I mean, this is the land of promise. This is the land where, where God has sent Abram, but, but what's he going to do? I mean, he's got to take care of people. He's got to take care of his family. He's got to take care of his, his livestock. So he has a plan. To be honest with you, it's not a bad plan. It's a, it's a pretty good plan. He makes a plan to go to Egypt. Egypt, the land of the Nile River. Along this river, it's, it's lush. It's prosperous. And so, so I, the text doesn't tell us, but I, I imagine that this is what Abraham was thinking. That he would go down to Egypt he would hang out there for a while. He would take care of his family, take care of his stuff. And, and then once the famine was over, go back. Go back to Canaan because after all, that's the land of promise. That's the land where, where God had promised him that he was going to give this land to his descendants. And so it's just going to be a short trip. A couple months, six months at most. Go down to Egypt, eat, live life, enjoy the bounty of Egypt, and then make his way back after some time to the land of Canaan. And so that's what happens. He takes his family and they make their journey to Egypt. But you and I know, right? As you read through the text that there seems to be a problem here because as you read through the text, what you don't see, you don't see God giving him direction to go to Egypt. You, 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 saw, you saw where God came to Abraham and, and clearly said to him, leave. Leave the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. Leave Haran. Go, and I'll show you. But there's no voice of God in in these verses coming to Abraham and saying, okay, Abraham, I got a plan for you. Go down to Egypt. We don't see that. You also don't see Abraham approaching God and saying, God, okay, you know this famine's pretty bad. Do you mind if I take a trip down to Egypt for a while and we'll come back? I mean, you, you don't see that. You don't see Abraham praying and asking for wisdom and you don't see God coming to Abraham and saying, okay, I want you to go uh, to, to Egypt. No, where God wanted Abraham was where? In Canaan, where the trial was. He wanted him right there. But what, what happened in Abraham's life is the same thing that happens in your life and my life. Over and over again, this happens, doesn't it? You have those difficult days. You have those seasons of trials. And when you have seasons of trials, what happens? You just want to survive it, right? Many of you have been there. You've been in survival mode before. In fact, you've said things like this. When you're going through difficult days, you've probably had people come up to you and ask you, hey, how you doing? And you've probably even said what? I'm just trying to survive, right? I want to remind you this first truth as we think about this text, right? right? Trials, every trial you go through in life, every struggle, every difficult day, every hardship you face, you know this, I don't have to tell you this, trials are always opportunities to trust and obey. You think about where we've been in Genesis. That's what God has called everyone to do thus far. He called Adam and Eve to trust and obey. 
He called Noah to trust and obey. And now he's called Abraham to trust and obey. But what happens when you and I go through trials, we don't think about trusting and obeying. We think about surviving, right? Because what happens in, in our trials, doesn't it, is that we get restless. Uh, we, we, we get fearful and, and we just, we gotta do something. And so we start making plans of, of how to just get through as painlessly as possible. And what we fail to realize, right, is that, that in the midst of our trials, we can actually thrive. We just wanna survive, right? But God in our trials wants us to thrive. Because every trial that you go through is an opportunity to look to God and say, God, I, 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 this is difficult. I don't like being here, but I know I am convinced that you have a plan and purpose for why I am in this trial right now. You have a plan to grow me even in this trial. And so therefore, because I know that, right, I'm gonna keep on believing and I'm going to watch this because this is what we fail to do in our trials. I'm going to think and live biblically. I mean, think about it, right? You gather here in this room with me Sunday after Sunday. You're in a life connection group, probably. Many of you are in discipleship groups. You are getting fed week in and week out the word of God. You're being taught and you're feeding yourself on a daily basis as you read scripture and your time with the Lord. You're, you're learning what it means to walk with Jesus. And then that trial comes. That trial is the prime opportunity for you to put into practice everything that you're learning about God. But that's not what typically happens, right? When that trial comes, we just want to survive, not understanding that God is designing that trial for you to thrive in your faith, for you to grow and learn more about who he is and what he desires for you, right? Your trial is an opportunity to live and think biblically. But what happens in our trials is we stop thinking. We stop thinking about God. We stop thinking about what he wants for us, right? I don't know if you've watched this on YouTube or not, there, there's a, a guy on YouTube that my boys like to watch. We like to watch him as a family. His name is Coyote Peterson. Have you heard of Coyote Peterson? Just when you get home this afternoon, if you want a, a fun afternoon of entertainment, go to YouTube and in the search box type King of Sting. Because here's what this guy does. What this guy does is that he goes out and he finds the most dangerous, most painful insects he can find. He will put them on his arm and he will let those insects sting him. And then you get to watch it. It's amazing, right? So, 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 so you get to watch it and he'll, he'll let like a, 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 some of those big nasty hornets sting him or whatever the case may be. And, and then you get to watch him roll around the ground screaming in pain. It, it's amazing. And he, 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 has, he always has an EpiPen right by just in case something bad happens. But, but it, just go home. I promise you, you will fill your afternoon with mindless YouTube watching if you search his name. So, so, so anyway, we like to watch that. We've watched all the episodes. So I come home last week. When I come home, my boys are in the front yard and Hudson is in the front yard and he has his arms and his legs in an ant bed. Like, and, and, and his older brother, his older, wiser brother, just standing by watching. I'm like, what are you doing? So they were trying to be King of Sting. How long could he keep his arms and hands in the ant bed to see how painful it would be? Now, many of you in this room, you have kids. You have grandkids. And every one of you, if you have kids or grandkids, you've all said this. When you found your kids doing something that, that just didn't make any sense to you, you've said this. What? 
were you thinking? You've all said that, haven't you? You know what they were thinking? They weren't. You see? And, and, and that's what I'm telling you that I tell you this. When it comes to trials and struggles in life, you don't think either. At least you don't think the things of God. Instead of looking to God in our trials, we take our mind off. We stop thinking and living biblically. But every trial is an opportunity to trust and obey. But also think about this. Trials are not only opportunities to trust and obey. Trials are also opportunities for, now watch this, temptation to abound. In every trial, every trial you go through in life, you have the opportunity to trust and obey, or you have the opportunity to give into temptation, to take your eyes off of God and live life your way instead of his way. And that's what happens in the story. Listen to what it says. They go down to Egypt. Verse verse 11, when he was about to enter Egypt, Abram said to Sarai, look, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. They will kill me, but let you live. Abram knows something. He knows the promise of God is on his life. That God has said to him, I'm going to make you into a great nation. It's hard to be a great nation if you're dead, right? And so when he gets to Egypt, he looks at his beautifully stunning wife. He says, all the men, they're going to want you. And they're going to kill me to get to you. So no worries. I've got a plan. It's a great plan. Here's what we'll do. We'll tell people that, that you're not my wife. We'll tell them instead that you're my sister which honestly, and again, this goes into details we're not getting into this morning, but, but it wasn't a, a complete lie, just a half lie because Sarah was his half sister. And that's another story for another day. But, 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 but there they are. And he says, let's just tell people that you're not my wife. Let's tell them you're my sister. And that's a good plan. Here's why. Because there's gonna be a lot of men. And, and, and when they find out that, that Sarah is there with her brother, Abraham, Abraham's gonna serve in a sense as the guardian over Sarah's life. And so if a man wants Sarah, they're going to have to go through Abraham. And when they try to go through Abraham to get his wife, you know what they're going to bring? Stuff. And that's why he's going to Egypt in the first place, to get stuff. They're starving. They just want to survive. And people are going to bring stuff, gifts, in an attempt to try to get Abraham to give Sarah to them as their wife. Sounds like a pretty good plan. I don't want to die. Here's what we'll do. But, but you, you know the story. It doesn't go according to plan. Because there's a particular man in Egypt by the name of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh doesn't negotiate. Pharaoh gets what he wants. Because I, I think, and again, the text doesn't give us all the details, but I think what Abraham's probably thinking is, is, is uh, I'm going to be your guardian and they're going to come to me and they're going to they're gonna want me to, to, to give you them as their wife and, and I, I'm going to get their stuff. And, and no worries, when, when, I, when we get the stuff, we'll just escape. We'll get out of here. And nobody will know any difference, right? But, but Pharaoh doesn't negotiate. When Pharaoh hears about Sarah from the officials, from his officials, he takes her into his house to marry her. Wild. Abraham did not leave Canaan to go to Egypt to lose his wife. That's what happens. But 
just bear with me for a moment. It's bad to lose your wife to a king, I guess. Hasn't happened to me before. But, 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 but it doesn't turn out all that bad. Listen to what the text says. You come down, look at what it says. You come down and you look at, um, where is it? Verse, verse 15. Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to, Pharaoh's, uh, to Pharaoh. So the woman was taken to Pharaoh's household. Now listen, remember what Abraham said. I, I wanna be treated well because of you. If we lie about this, people will treat me well. We'll get stuff right. Look at what it says. Verse 16, Pharaoh treated Abram well because of her. And Abraham acquired flocks and herds, male and female donkeys, male and female slaves and camels. He got what he wanted. Wealth, stuff, provisions. He lost his wife, but, but here's what's really interesting. He's not gonna lose his wife for long. We'll, we'll get to the end of the story in just a moment. And you're gonna see what happens. He's actually going to leave Egypt eventually with his wife and with a lot of stuff. Doesn't turn out too bad for him. But it is bad. Because as you look at the story, no step along the way does Abraham trust God, walk by faith, ask God for wisdom, seek God for counsel. What what Abraham is doing, he's just reacting, reacting. Instead of reflecting on who God is and how God wants him to live, he's just reacting in every situation, much like you and I do when we go through trials. And and so just notice, notice, trials are opportunities for temptation to abound, right? And what you see here in the text is there's the temptation that we've all given to. There's this temptation to scheme instead of trust because you've done it too. You've been in trials, you've been in tough times and because you just wanted to survive, you've come up with your own plan. Here's how I can get out of this mess. Here's what I can do to fix my marriage. Here's what I can do to make things better at the job. Here's what I can do to get out of this financial mess. Here's what I can do, right? without ever stopping to consider what God wants you to do in that moment. And some of you have schemed to the point where you've been sinful in your scheming. You've schemed, you've deceived, you've even lied to try to get yourself out of a mess. Or think about this. There's the temptation to think of self before others. Abraham says, I don't want to die. But he puts his wife in a position where she was taken from him and, and put in the arms of another man. Do you see? What happens oftentimes when we go through trials, and you know this from experience, I know this from experience, we get really what? Selfish. We stop thinking about the needs of others. We stop thinking about the calling that God has placed on our lives to put others first before ourselves. Listen, I I, I know that life gets tough and I know you face challenges, but your challenges and trials are not an excuse for you to stop living in the way that God has called you to live. It's not an excuse for you to stop putting the needs of others above your own. But when you go through those trials, what happens? We get real selfish. I just wanna protect myself, protect myself, protect my life, protect my stuff, you see? You think about this. When we're in those trials, there's temptation to scheme instead of trust. There's temptation to think of self before others. There's also the temptation to trust earthly gain rather than God's providence. Abraham got rich. He got wealthy in Egypt. The Pharaoh gave him lots of stuff, camels, servants, all these things you read about. And Abraham was going to leave with them. But, but, but I don't know if you know this or not. That stuff that Abraham acquires in Egypt, all of it is going to become a snare to Abraham. We're going to see that in the next chapter because they have so much stuff 
Abraham and Lot are going to have to separate. And Lot is going to go to a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. And that ain't going to turn out too well. Oh, and also think about this. In, in, in Egypt, Abraham acquired servants. There was one servant girl he acquired. You know what her name was? Hagar. That ain't going to work out too well for Abraham. You understand? He gets a lot of stuff, but this stuff, it turns into a snare for him. Now, I'll tell you, that, tell you this, that, that, that when we go through trials, there's a temptation to trust our stuff, our earthly gain. And when you're in the midst of it, you're going through hard times and you think to yourself, well, I got enough resources to get myself out of this mess. I'll just pay my way out. I've got the best doctors. I'm, I'm okay. I've got this. I've got that. And so I'll be okay because I've got all this stuff. I'll put my trust there, you see. But you, you know this like I do. Your stuff isn't secure. Your stuff can't bring you through. You see, in, in our trials, there's always a temptation to scheme, to think of self, to trust the things we have instead of turning to the one who we know is going to bring us through our trials for his glory and our good. See, what I want for you this morning because I know here in this room, there are those of us who are going through trials. And I don't know what that trial might be for you. It might be that disease that, that you're struggling with. It might be a, a, a marriage that, that is unhealthy right now. It might be some, some issues with raising your kids or something at work. I, I don't know. But here's what I know for you this morning is that your trial can be a defining moment of your faith. Because we've been there. You've been there like I have been there. I've told you my story numerous times. You're probably tired of hearing about Hurricane Katrina, and I've told you this, but it just illustrates this. Because I remember when I was 24, 25 years old, just getting started in lead pastoral ministry, a year and a half in to being a lead pastor, Hurricane Katrina hitting. And the eye of the storm, I didn't live in the city of New Orleans. I was outside of New Orleans, but the eye of the storm came through the town I lived in. Now, I remember going back uh, to, uh, to the place I lived there in Franklinton and standing in my front yard and looking and, and seeing with my own eyes the destruction that was there because of Katrina. Trees down everywhere, uh, power lines wrapped around like there were spaghetti wires all over the place and, and no electricity. We wouldn't have electricity for five or six weeks and, and it was 95 degrees and it was, it was terrible. We were standing there in my front yard and looking out and seeing destruction. My, my own house had a tree in the living room when I got home uh, from being evacuated. And here I was, 24, 25 years old. And all I wanted to do was go home. I wanted to go back to the earthly gain, where it was safe, where, where there was a roof over my head, where there was electricity, where there wasn't the hum of generators at night. And I, I remember standing in my front yard and, 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 and essentially saying to God, God, this is not what I signed up for. When I moved to Louisiana, it was to go to seminary. The seminary was closed at that point because of the Katrina. It was to get some pastoral experience. It wasn't to live through a Cat 5 hurricane. It's not what I wanted. But I remember standing in my driveway, looking at all the destruction and just being assured that I was where God wanted me to be. Didn't understand it. Didn't like it. But it was where God wanted me to be. And in that moment, you know, I made the decision to stay instead of fleeing. And you've had those moments too where you decided to stay in that trial, where you decided to press on. And what that became for me, and you've been there too, what that became for me was a defining moment of my faith. 
I don't like this. I don't get it. It doesn't make much sense, but God, I'm gonna put my trust in you. I'm gonna ride this out because I, I trust you know what you're doing. Anytime you make that kind of decision, it becomes a defining moment of your faith. Now, I've had many a moments where I have not made that decision. I have many a moments where I was like Abraham and ran in fear. But in that moment, I can just remember to this day that being such a defining moment for me. Now, I think for us as a church, as we look back over 2020, I really think 2020 for us as, as a Northwood family, it's, it's going to be a, a defining moment of faith for this church. We didn't do everything right during the pandemic. We did a lot of things wrong. Like we all, I mean, we, who knew what we were doing, right? But we, we made a decision as a faith family. You made it along with us that we're gonna walk by faith through this. We're gonna not let off the gas. We're gonna keep ministering. We're gonna keep pushing forward. We're gonna keep being the church. And, and I don't know about you, but for me as a pastor here, this 2020, it's, it's been a defining moment of faith for us, you see? And that's what I want for you. I want your trials to be a defining moment of faith where you say to God, I I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I'm making a decision. Put my eyes on you. And I'm I'm not going to give in the temptation to scheme or to think of myself before others or to trust earthly gain rather than the God of providence. But let me show you something else in the text. Trials. Trials are opportunities Trials are opportunities to trust and obey. Trials are opportunities for temptation to abound. I want to show you one more thing. Trials are also opportunities for grace to abound. Look at the text one more time. Come back to Genesis chapter 12 and, and look what it says. So there he is. He's in Egypt. His wife, now in the home of Pharaoh. But look at what it says in verse 17. But the Lord struck Pharaoh and his household with severe plagues because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh sent for Abram and said, what have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? So I wouldn't take her as my wife. Now, here is your wife. Take her and go. Okay, just just remember, right? You have a pop quiz if you don't mind. Who wrote the book of Genesis? Do you remember? Moses. Now, do you remember when Moses wrote this book? While the Hebrew people were wandering in the wilderness, God inspires Moses to write God's story. What led the people into Egypt and how God brought them out to write the story of the patriarchs, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Now, just, just imagine Moses is is writing this wonderful book of Genesis and it's telling the story of God and how God's been at work in the lives of people to to bring the Hebrew people to this point. And and, and Moses gets to this story. And I don't know, maybe, maybe he's reading it after he wrote it to the Hebrew people as they're in the wilderness wandering. And he talks about how in Egypt, there was Abraham and, and there are plagues that struck Pharaoh's home. What do you think the Hebrews were thinking when they heard this story? they were probably thinking, that sounds really familiar, right? Because they had experienced that. It hadn't been too long ago that they were slaves in Egypt. And and while they were slaves in Egypt, God brought in a deliverer, Moses. And, And the house of Pharaoh, Egypt, was struck with plagues. And then God brought them out of Egypt in a miraculous way. And now here they are in the wilderness on their way 
to the same place that Abraham was and was going back to the promised land. And so, so I think that, that Moses, as he's writing this story for, for those ancient Hebrews, it's a way of reminding them and a way of reminding us, God is going to deliver you. He's already done it. Look what he did in Abraham's life. But he did in your life too, ancient Hebrews. He brought you out of Egypt in much the same way he brought Abraham out. And he's gonna deliver you out of this wilderness. Keep your eyes on him. I know there are challenges. I know that you're tempted to be faithless, but he is going to bring you out. And here we are thousands of years later. And and you know what's true of you? If you're a follower of Jesus, every one of you, come in close now. You know this is true. Every one of you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know what's happened in your life? You've been delivered. You've been delivered. Because there was, according to the gospel of Matthew, Jesus came out of Egypt as well. Remember that story? When he was there after, after this running with Herod and, and the family, uh, Jesus' family fled to Egypt, Jesus came out of Egypt as well to live the life that you could not live. Perfect in every way. And to go to a cross and die the death that you deserve, taking the punishment for your sins that you were due and then rose again three days later after his death to deliver you, to deliver you from sin, to deliver you from death, to deliver you from an eternal hell. Every one of you in this room who've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, my friend, listen, you have been delivered. Now, I know what you're saying. I get that, Tommy. Yes, I've, I've, I've had my sins forgiven, that's good, but you don't know the mess I'm in right now. I'm in the midst of it, Tommy. My marriage is falling apart. My, my fan, financial situation is falling apart. You, you don't understand. My body is stricken with disease. You, you don't understand the trial I'm in right now. I don't. I have no clue. But here's what I do know. The same God who delivered you from sin and death is more than able to deliver you from whatever you're going through right now if he's powerful enough to take you from death and give you life, then certainly he is powerful enough to get you through your little financial mess. You see what I'm saying? He's certainly powerful enough to give you help in your marriage. He's certainly powerful enough to give you the boldness to live for him day after day. He is powerful enough to do all things for his glory and your good in your life. But you see, here's what happens. Here's what happens. I know because it happens in my life. We don't expect grace. We don't expect grace to abound. How did Abraham get out of Egypt? Was it through scheming? No. How did Abraham get out of Egypt? Was it by accomplishing his own plan? No. The only way God, excuse me, the only way that Abraham got out of Egypt was through the deliverance of God. What you need today in your trial that you're going through is the supernatural deliverance of God. Now, I don't know what that deliverance might look like for you. It might not be exactly what you expect, but but here's what I do know, is that for many of us as followers of Jesus, we've forgotten the kind of God that we serve. We've forgotten that we serve a God who wants to bring us through our trials and grow us in our faith and make us more like his son. We've forgotten that we serve a miracle-working God who wants to show off his grace in the midst of the mess you're in. And so we believe that, right? If, if we believe trials are opportunities for grace to abound, then listen. James says in James chapter 1, verse 5, 
Hey, when you go through those trials, ask God for wisdom because he knows how to give it to you. Ask him for it and expect him to give it to you. But we don't do that. We go through trials. We talk to everybody else about our problems. You won't believe what I'm going through right now. But we don't go to God and say, God, I just need your help. Ask God for deliverance and expect it. God, I believe. I don't know what it's going to look like in my life. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know what it's going to take. But, but I do know that you're more than able to bring me through this season. And you're able to bring me through this season and grow me at the same time. Listen, God has designed your trials that you're going through right now to help you become more like Jesus. If you'll turn to him by faith and say, God, grow me, help me to learn, help me to thrive through this, not just survive, but help me to thrive, to become the person you want me to be as I keep my eyes on you. You see, I know you don't like being in your trials. I know you don't like hard times in life. I don't either, but I do know this. God is faithful. What happens in our trials is we get real faithless. We forget who we serve. But aren't you thankful for what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13? Hey, when you're faithless, guess what? God is still faithful. So, so here's what I want for you this morning as we close our time together. One, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want today to be a day that you experience deliverance. Deliverance from sin and death. Deliverance from eternal punishment. What I want you to experience today is the grace of God that delivers you from sin and death. And the way you experience that grace is by trusting Jesus. And if you're watching online or you're in this room, maybe today for the first time, it's your time, your day, your day of salvation, your day to once and for all, place your faith in the one who lived for you, died for you and rose again for you so you can have a life abundant and eternal. This morning in the corners of this room, there are two crosses. Today, if you want to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, walk to one of those crosses. There'll be someone there who wants to pray with you, talk with you and help you begin a relationship with Jesus. If you're watching online, there's gonna be a number on the screen that you can text. We'll reach out to you real soon. We just wanna help you find deliverance in the person of Jesus Christ. For the rest of us who are followers of Jesus, I don't know your trials. I don't know your struggles. I don't know everything you're going through. But here's what I do know. Today, today, no matter what you're going through, if you'll say to God, God, today's my opportunity. In the midst of what I'm going through, today's my opportunity to trust and obey expecting your grace to abound in my life, expecting you to bring me through in your way, according to your purpose today. This is what I believe, church. Today, instead of just trying to survive through your trial and turning to your own devices, what today can be for you is a defining moment in your faith where you say, listen, I don't like it. I don't get it. I don't understand it all, but I'm not taking my eyes off the one who gave his all for me. I'm gonna trust that he is with me. He's gonna grow me. He's gonna bring me through. He's gonna give me wisdom. I'm placing my trust in him. He is your only source of help. Let today be your day where you trust him fully. A day where your faith is defined by the way you choose to live it out in these moments. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for time in your word. Now, Father, as we respond, help us respond by faith for that person in this room who's never placed his faith or her faith in you, may that person come to faith, trusting you as Lord. And for the rest of us, may today be a defining moment for us as we choose to put our eyes on you and trust you no matter what the storms of life may be. And ask it in Jesus' name.
Amen. Rise to your feet as we uh, have a time of invitation. You come now as the Spirit of God leads you.